Proverbs chapter number 1. Would you stand as we read a few verses from this first chapter of Proverbs? We're going to begin reading in verse number 20, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Proverbs 1, 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her word, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said it not, all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hated, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. And the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. In in passages like this, like we just read, and in other places throughout the book of Proverbs, we see wisdom personified. Wisdom takes on human characteristics. Wisdom takes on a human voice. And she's trying to share something with us here, and what she has to share with us is of extreme value. It's so valuable in part because it's so rare, wisdom is. Although it's freely available to all, few claim the prize. In Proverbs 3, we read this, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Although you probably haven't spent a lot of time this week thinking about how to increase your wisdom bank account, Its value, the value of the wisdom that you can obtain, exceeds everything else in life or all the things that we can gain on this earth. King Solomon, when he was asked what he wanted, just one thing he wanted, God, the maker of everything, essentially gave him a blank check and said, Solomon, what do you want? And he said, give me wisdom. And because of that decision, he became not only the wisest man on earth, but the wealthiest man on earth, wisdom. And I want us to think today about gaining wisdom, and specifically this call of wisdom. Wisdom's not a, a, a word that's used in our 2019 vernacular all that often. But it's wisdom that will cause you to make decisions at work that will lead to your promotion. It's wisdom that will keep you from purchasing something that you can't afford that you'll later regret and will lead to a lot of difficult discussions and hard times. 
It's, it's wisdom that will help you to keep your mouth closed when you really want to say something and will save you from some perhaps intense disagreements. Wisdom, so valuable and yet so rare. And this morning I want us to ask and, and answer five questions from the text. Here they are, and then we'll answer them together. The questions are these. First of all, wh- where can wisdom be found? Secondly, to whom is wisdom available? Thirdly, what is the result of obtaining wisdom? Fourthly, what are the consequences of rejecting wisdom? And this question, does the gift of wisdom have an expiration date? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, which is the source of all truth and all wisdom. We want to learn from it today. We want to seek it out. It's available to us. We want to find it today. Help us to grasp it and to hold on to it, make a difference in our life. Help me to speak clearly the things that you would have me to say, and I pray that every, everyone here would understand exactly what you want from them from this message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The first question is this, where can wisdom be found? And we find the answer in verse number 20 that we just read together. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city, she uttereth her words. There are opportunities to learn everywhere we look. In the streets, in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, where the people are, there is wisdom to be found. We should be constantly seeking constantly desiring to learn everywhere we go every day. And we're doing ourselves a disservice if we only open our minds to learning from 11 to 12 on Sunday mornings. Or for those of you that go to school, if four or five days a week, if the only time you intend to learn anything is when you're sitting in your desk at school, you're missing out on great opportunities in life. Because there is wisdom to be had everywhere to profit you. Even creation is calling out to us. The heavens are declaring God's glory. The Apostle Paul said that even nature itself is teaching us. And here, in Proverbs chapter 1, we see wisdom being dispensed at the city center. It's not at the synagogue. It's not at the temple. It's not at the high school. At the city center, where all the pe- in the marketplace, at the opening of the gates, where all the people would gather together to discuss and dispute and have conversations and meet together, there is wisdom calling out to them even here. It's everywhere we go, but it's up to us to be alert enough to snatch it up for ourselves. Where is wisdom available? It's available everywhere. To whom is it available? I'm sure there are some, perhaps even in this room, who are convinced that you were just born with bad luck. You just don't make good decisions. Whatever you do, whatever you touch, does not turn to gold. So who can be wise? It's everywhere. It's in the street corners. It's in the street city center, the marketplace. But but who is it for? And I think the verses that we just read answer that question as well. And the location is in part the answer It's in the street. It's in the public places of concourse. So what's being made available is not just some elite group of people. It's not in some Wall Street boardroom. It's not in a VIP Hollywood party somewhere of the mega-rich, mega-talented. It's in the city center where the common people meet together. That's where wisdom is calling 
out. It's at Lewis Cafe. It's everywhere we go. Wisdom is crying out. It's available for all. And the idea that's being clearly communicated here is that wisdom is this town crier. And she's calling out at the top of her lungs, Hey, over here. Come over here. I have something for you. I have a gift. And it's freely available to everybody here. Wisdom crieth. The word is to shout, like a, like a parent who's yelling out to her kids, it's time for dinner. Wisdom is crying. Come, come. It reminds us of Jesus in John chapter 7 when he cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. It's a public invitation. If anyone is hungry for the truth, hungry to be wise, it's an invitation for all of those people. Anyone looking for wisdom, anyone looking for help, come. But even though wisdom can be found everywhere, and even though wisdom is freely available, not everyone is interested. Verse 24 says this, Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. Not everyone will accept. Have you ever offered something to someone that you knew would help them? You knew they needed. Maybe some practical advice about their job or about their family, the way they raised their children or even their marriage. Maybe you observed someone struggling financially and you just knew that you had something that if they would just listen to what you had to say, it would help them. It would make their life better. And they pushed you away. If so, you understand the frustration. You have a solution to their problem, and they're pushing you away. They don't want the answer. If you're a parent, have you ever given your child some instruction that you knew was good for them, and they disregarded the instruction that you gave them? If you're a parent, the answer is yes. That has happened. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for sure, but we're all finite individuals. We're all just humans giving other humans advice. We're giving other, we're we're human beings limited in knowledge, giving other human beings who are limited in knowledge advice and counsel. But there is one who is all-knowing. There is one who understands finances in a way that none of us ever could. There is one who literally wrote the book on everything that we need to know. Imagine him freely offering wisdom and advice and instruction to those who need it most and them pushing it away and saying, no, thank you. I'm pretty sure I can handle this life on my own. That's what we see here in the first chapter of the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is freely available. It's sound wisdom. It's perfect advice. And yet it's being disregarded by many. He's holding out this gift to the world. Wisdom is saying, I'm here. Come, come. What will you do with it? So we've asked these two questions. Where is wisdom found and to whom it is available? What will be the result of receiving wisdom? We have two choices, only two choices. We can receive it or we can reject it. When someone gives you advice, you have two choices. You can take their advice and do what they say, or you can say, I don't think it's good for me. It's the same with God. So what will be the result of those who choose to receive his wisdom? What effect will it have on our life? Look in verse 23. Turn you at my reproof. Turn you 
at my reproof. He begins by, or, the, or she begins by calling out, come, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Receiving wisdom brings about a change. Notice the turning here. This is repentance displayed for us. It's, you're going one direction, a particular direction, and then you're given reproof, you're given counsel, and you change course. You go a different direction. You're living one certain way, you receive correction, and you change your way. This was the message of Jesus when he preached. Repent and believe. You see, every way of man is right in his own eyes. But the result of receiving wisdom will be turning from my ways to his ways. It will be from turning from your ways to his ways. We take what we have learned to be true, we apply it, and we change the areas where we've been wrong. We change our behavior. And change is hard, especially if the behaviors are deep-seated. If these are long There are things, it's a direction you've been going for a long time, and the longer you've been going in that direction, the harder it is to change. Of course. But he says, turn you at my reproof. Reproof requires turning. Reproof requires correction, repentance. And if we do, notice what happens. If we repent of these areas where we've been approved, there's a blessing. There is more instruction. There's a deeper understanding of our, of our teacher, of our creator. Verse 23, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Imagine getting inside the mind of the one who has created everything that exists. The one who spoke the world into existence. The one who, when there was no life, breathed life. Imagine being able to get inside his mind and and know him. What could be more valuable? What could be more valuable than that? That's why the writer of Proverbs so often said, Seek her as hidden treasure. So what is the result of receiving wisdom? There'll be a change on our part. If we truly receive it, there'll be a change. It will affect us from our way to his way. Fourth question, what are the consequences of rejecting wisdom? It's the only two choices, really, accept or reject. So what if you reject the wisdom of God? And we know that many will reject Verse 24, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. You pushed his hand away. I don't want it. You have set it not all my counsel. Or you've set it aside. You've said, I don't want that counsel. And would none of my reproof. Or you would have, you would have none of my reproof. You didn't want it. I tried to give it and he wouldn't have it. She wouldn't have it. So although it's available to all freely, to the common person, it's not a welcome gift by everyone. Because many of us don't want to change. Many of us are perfectly happy with who we are and where we are. But notice the results in 26. I will also, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. 
and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Notice the certainty in these words. 26, I will, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh. Not if, but when your fear cometh. Verse 27, when, not if, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon me. 31, therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. There is a certainty to what happens when we refuse God. Look at 31 again. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. You've been building this road, this path, and the course that you have charted is taking you somewhere. If you head east on I-44 today and you keep driving... No matter how much you have planned for a Branson vacation, you're not going to end up there. You're not going to end up there because you've charted your course east and you're going to end up in St. Louis and beyond. You may have all the intentions of the world of taking your family to Branson, to Silver Dollar City, but your direction is not taking you there. It doesn't matter our intentions. Our actions have consequences. Verse 32 says, For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. We may think that we're taking a gamble by rejecting what God has said, but it's really not a gamble at all. There's only one possible outcome, and that is destruction. The only outcome when we reject God's word, we reject his clear command, is destruction. And I think there are two major implications here. The first I'll call temporal or temporary destruction. That is in this life. God gives us clear commands. Husbands, if you refuse to love your wife, even as Christ loved his church and gave himself for it, you refuse that command. Or wives, if you refuse the, to love your husband and, and submit as is fit to the Lord. Or children, if you refuse to obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. If you refuse God's command, you're rejecting the wisdom of God, and there is only one possible outcome, and that is the destruction of the family. The same passage that talks about all of those things in Colossians 3 talks about the servant who is to obey the one that has the rule, the authority over him with all things from the heart. If you refuse what God has given us, his wisdom and his word, there is only one possible outcome. And of course, this would apply to any teachings in Scripture. These things are very important. The life we live depends on them, but of even greater severity is what we will call eternal destruction for those that reject God's word. That is, that rejecting God in this life will result in eternal separation and damnation in the life to come. There is a time to believe, a time to repent. For the wages of sin is death, is death. That's very certain. That's the consequence of our sin. Eternal separation from God. That's the consequence of rejecting him. Eternal separation from God. But the verse continues in Romans 6, 23 like this. But the gift of God, there's that open-handedness again. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, we see God in his love and mercy holding out this gift of mercy to every sinner. But to reject him is to doom ourselves to eternal death. There are consequences of rejecting him. Consequences both in this life and in the next. 
Then I want to ask this question. Does the gift of wisdom that we're talking about here, does it have an expiration date? Sometimes I'll find something in the back of our refrigerator that I didn't know that we had. And that always excites me. And typically, if I haven't seen it before, I'm a, I'm a little curious. So I'll, I'll take it and I'll look and I'll, I'll, I'll twist it around and I'll try to find that always very difficult to find and difficult to read printed text that says, best if used by. And if it's within the last two or three years, then I'll typically take a chance on it. If it's something that I really want, unless it's milk, and then I just maybe a couple of months at the most. Um, but what about the wisdom of God? Does, the, does God's wisdom have an end? Does God's wisdom have an end date? Or we'll, we'll, we'll always just stand by saying, whenever you're ready, I'll be here. If you're not ready to listen now, if you're not ready for my wisdom now, that's okay. I'm going to be over here in the corner just whenever you need me. Just call. Just call. I'll be here. Verse 28. We read this earlier. Then, this is after the calamity and the distress and the destruction. This is after that. After, after the consequences. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. See, they've refused the wisdom. Trouble came as a result. And then they started out calling out and said, I I was wrong. I'm ready now. I'll take the wisdom that you had for me. But it's too late by this time. See, there is a time to learn. And there is a time to apply what we have learned. And the time for learning ends when the test arrives. We have this conversation sometimes in school when some of the students will be taking a test. And they'll come across a question and they'll, 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 they'll say, I have no idea how to do this math problem. I've never seen this before. And my response is always very similar. Tests have very specific purposes. And that is to reveal to us what we know. To reveal to us the things we have learned. Tests are not the time to learn how to do an algebraic equation. It's the time that we're testing ourselves to see if we have learned the things that we were supposed to learn. Homework, class time, those are the times that we learn and we, we listen and we absorb. And test time is when we're, we find out what we know. If an employer has been training one of his employees for weeks and months and months, and he's doing his job, and then one day he says, okay, I'm ready for you to go out into the, on your own and, and do the job. And he says, well, I have no idea how to do that. It's not going to go well. You see, you've had all this time of training to ask questions and to try to learn and to make sure you know what you're doing, and now you're being sent out and you're, and you're, and you're asking for help now. No, there was a time for learning. This is the time for doing. This is what's being taught in our passage. The hand of wisdom is out to us. This is the time. But if we refuse, if, if we reject it, then the calamity will come, and then it's too late. Then it's too late. The Apostle Paul said it like this, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Procrastination is not an acceptable alternative. The only acceptable response to God's word is immediate obedience. James, who was the brother of Jesus, said it like this, You know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even, even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Let's look at one 
Final question. This one's in our text. It's asked by wisdom in verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. We have three groups here. Simple, scorners, fools. The fool recognizes his own lack of discernment, and he's satisfied with it. He hates learning. He hates knowledge. doesn't want to change. He knows he lacks wisdom. He knows he makes poor decisions, but he's okay with it. He wants to continue living the way that he's living. He has no intention of changing. He hates knowledge. Obviously, he doesn't like the result of his poor decisions. He probably complains about them, but it's not worth changing himself to change the results. To the full, it's not worth giving up the life he has to follow God. The scorners delight in their scorning. They're mockers. They make fun of everything that God says. They make fun of Scripture. They curse God. They make fun of people that go to church. Those that follow Christ, they're scorners. They're mockers. The third group are the simple. They're the naive ones. And this one, I'm afraid, is is too common. They're the ones who are just sort of driving, drifting through life unintentionally. In small groups, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how if we don't chart our course in life, if we don't decide where we're going to go, we'll just be on that boat out in the middle of the waters, just sort of drifting, not knowing where we're going, not knowing what direction we're going, not even really thinking about it or caring about it, just drifting, completely dependent on the wind. They're not really living by any intentionality whatsoever. The wind may change, and they may be going a completely different direction tomorrow than they were today, and they don't even realize it. They're just sort of drifting, living by unsound financial principles, spending more than they make, buying more than they can afford, but they don't know any better. That's how their parents live. They're just simple. They're just naive. When it comes to the wisdom of God, ignorance is not bliss. How long, Proverbs, the writer says, how long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? Don't you love that question? Hey, there's a better life available. How long are you going to love the simple, naive life you're living? When you're a child, maybe ignorance is bliss, but there comes a time when it's time to wake up and learn something. How long will you love this simple, naive life that you're living? How long are you going to continue the way you've always been, going aimlessly drifting out on the ocean with no hope, no care, no thought for the tomorrow. Will you keep putting off obeying God's word? Will you keep being simple? Will you keep being uninformed? Will you keep being ignorant? There's a time to learn. And wisdom is crying out, calling out, pleading, come here. How long will you continue in your ignorance, in your foolishness, in your scorning? The calling implies that the God of heaven is desiring that all humanity would listen and turn to him. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting graciously with open arms. Will you receive him? Will you receive of him, all of him? God's word is not a buffet. 
where we can take the things that we like and refuse the other, depending on the mood. I like fried chicken, and I like macaroni, but I'm not really feeling the Brussels sprouts today. I'm definitely going to hit the dessert bar, but I think I'll just bypass the salad bar. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Buffets are okay, but God's word is not a buffet. It's not a pick and choose. It's not take what you want and leave the rest. He isn't just a teacher, as many believe. If he were just a teacher, then maybe you could say, I kind of believe that. I'll go along with that. I don't really necessarily agree with that. I think you're right here. If you go to to a college course somewhere, maybe you could say that. Well, I think you might be wrong about that, but I'll I'll get on board with that. that. That's okay if God's just a teacher. If Christ is just a teacher, but he's more than that. No, he's Lord. He is king. He's the all-knowing creator of everything. When Jesus speaks, galaxies appear. That's the one that we're reading of here. And so when he speaks, we listen. And that may put a bad taste in your mouth. And if so, it's because you're comparing him, you're comparing our king to a king that you've read about in history who is just always giving out orders, trying to increase their own empire or build their own power or wealth. But our king is different. Our king acts in humility. Our king made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That's our king. Our king humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the king that we're obeying. Our king laid aside his crown and laid aside his throne and became man and came to earth for us, even to wash the feet of his friends and followers. That's the king that that we serve. Our king, rather than calling a legion of angels to rescue him off the cross, allowed himself to be brutally beaten and mocked and ridiculed, bloodied and broken. Our king, our king did that. Our king allowed the blood to drain from his body like a fountain to atone for the sins of all mankind, for the sins of you and for my sins as well. That's the king that we're following. This is our king. And when he speaks, his people listen. When the Lord speaks, we listen and we follow and we turn. Look in the last verse of the chapter. This is the result of our learning. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. The one who decides to listen to learn, shall, there's that definitive again, shall live in safety. Just as you can be sure about the consequences of rejecting him, you can be sure of the rewards of accepting. Quiet from fear of evil. There's protection. There's a promise from the most reliable source in the world that if we stop and listen and open our hands to being what is given to us, then we will dwell in peace. If we'll just listen to his rebuke, to his wisdom. There's safety. There is peace and protection. Does that mean that if we determine to follow Christ, if we determine to listen to what he has said, that we'll never have any problems in life? Does it mean that we'll never have any heartache, any sickness in our family? Does it mean that a a child will never turn away, will never lose a loved one, will never lose a job? Does it it mean we'll never have a financial concern because we dwell in safety? No, it doesn't mean any of those things, but he removes the fear and gives us peace. The psalmist said it like this, blessed are they that put their trust in him. 
And the reward for trusting him goes far beyond this life. Far beyond the few years that we have here on earth. And so this morning, I want to ask you to search your own heart. First, have you ever obeyed Christ's command to repent of your sin and believe and turn to him? His words, his words, Jesus, the words of Jesus, the greatest preacher of all time, said it like this, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. I read this earlier, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. His salvation is freely available to all who will receive it. And his wisdom is for all. She's out there calling to anyone who will listen. Here, come, come on the streets, at the marketplace. Come, all you will hear, turn and obey. There's nothing to fear with obeying him. Christian, are you, are you seeking wisdom like, like rare treasure? Are, you, are your eyes open? Are you obeying? The promise is if you'll turn, he'll give you more. He'll open your eyes to more. If you'll, if you'll, if you'll repent and, and believe and act on what he's given you, the promise, we just read it, he'll, he'll, there's more available. We can know him better. We can grow. I think this message is for both. It's for all of us. It's for all the world. It's for all of mankind. Who will hear it? 